previously on. See you in another life, brothers. Hey, uh, thanks for inviting me along in this hike, bro. Yeah, dude, no problem. I hike this trail all the time. It's good to have company. So you probably know this trail backwards and forwards, huh? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, over there, you see that piece of metal in the ground? That's a mysterious hatch. And uh, just beyond those trees over there is this big pirate ship with a bunch of you know old skeletons and dynamite in there. Oh, and right there is where my friend Jim lost his arm. And then, of course, there's the polar bears. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was that about someone losing his arm? Oh, uh, yeah, Jim lost it last year. But, you know, that's to be expected. This is the dark territory, after all. What? Why didn't you tell me about all this stuff before we started walking? This is too scary. I'm going back. Well, actually, you have only three options. Run, hide, or die. What the? Did you see that cloud of smoke over there? Oh, yeah, that? Uh, that's just the security system. Just keep really still. It won't hurt you. I knew I should have gone on that raft ride instead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of See You in Another Life, Brothers. And, uh, hey, bro, I'm getting a finale vibe right now. I don't know about you. Oh, major finale vibes. Boy, we're getting some finale vibes up in here. Was was that weird? No, I think it was perfectly normal. I don't know what, what just came over me. I think it just became like a southern, I don't know what's happening, but I got some finale vibes going on up in here. It's all part of the vibes. So many vibes. But yes, we are here. We have reached the finale of season one. Um, boy, it's been a wild ride, hasn't it, bro? It has been a wild ride. It's crazy to think we're, I mean, we are, we are at the finale of season one of Lost. It's, I mean, yeah, it, it, I feel like so many times returning to a series when you've already watched the full thing, you know, you binge it, um, typically, you know, I guess I'll just speak for myself. I feel like I go kind of quickly through series when I've already seen them, and it's been, it feels like we've reached, you know, the the end of a season like you would <laughs> traditionally watching a series, because we've done it week by week, and that's just kind of a fun thing. I, I don't have that many shows that are like that these days anymore. Um, you know, I feel like I watch most things, you know, on Netflix or anything, um, and yeah, I feel like we've really done something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, other shows, because I was thinking about this today. I think Lost lost finales, the season finales, are just, they're events. They were events, um, and they really did it up well. They had these long, you know, two-part finales, two-hour things. It really felt like the culmination. It was always a unique sort of flashback, um, for the most part. Or, or it, it seemed like it was, like, I think it's season three. It seemed like a regular mm. flashback, but then they did something crazy with it. Uh, it they mm-hmm. always managed to, you know, do something special. And I was going to, you, you're the guy who watches more TV than me. So I was wondering, is there any show that does finales quite like Lost or does them as well? 
in your opinion? I think other shows, there have been other shows that have done like really, you know, I mean like really big finales and um, like that feel like a big event. You know, I, I feel like ones from like this era that I think of, I mean, I watched it <laughs> like last year, but um, I feel like the West Wing did really big finale like episodes. Um, so that's one that I think of. I, but other than that, I'm trying. I'm struggling to think of another show uh, that had just. I guess Fringe had some good ones, yeah. um, but Lost really had. Um, its finale episodes. You're totally right. They always felt like events, and this one in particular. I feel like I've always thought that from the first scene, mm-hmm. and I know it's kind of a weird scene to point it out, but like from the very first scene of Walt, you know, getting up in the morning and he's going to use the bathroom and suddenly, you know, he sees Rousseau. Like from that moment, I remember watching this and just thinking, like for for one of the first times, you know, thinking, this episode just immediately feels more cinematic and different from the rest of season one, even in the way it's filmed. Like there's just something about it that feels like a movie from, you know, right from the get go, like, okay, there is, there are bigger stakes in this episode um, somehow, you know, I mean, just, and part of it, I think throughout the episode that we'll see is, they go to new territories on the island, you know, new locations that we haven't really seen before and things like that. But um, from from the very beginning, this this whole episode just feels like, OK, we are we are into something bigger than we've seen yet in this series. And, and that's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with the it's just it, it feels different because they do a fantastic job of, you know, we knew the raft launch was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you could kind of instinctually are like, oh, that's going to be a big episode when they finally get that raft off, probably a finale. Um, and you're like, okay, so that, that, that's what the finale will be about. And then it opens up with a whole other wrench thrown in the, a grenade thrown into everything with the others coming. I mean, you also knew the hatch was coming, you're like, well, maybe that'll be a ways off. But now this makes it suddenly like we have to get inside the hatch. So everything brilliantly done that just spurs action. Uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Um, and it gets it gets you like, oh, we're off to the races. Let's do this thing. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I just love the fact that like right from the first few scenes, you're like, oh, OK, so <laughs> we are. Everything is coming together. The hatch, the raft, the others, it's all colliding. Yeah, and it just feels so exciting right right away. Mm-hmm. But I also love, you know, Lost does a great job of these big finales. And each finale is big. It gets bigger and bigger, it seems like, as it goes. Um, but they do a fantastic job of still having character. Even It doesn't get swallowed up by the plot of the episode. Um, it's one of the best shows at doing that where, mm-hmm. you know, we've got all this big stuff going on, but yet we still have these flashbacks where they seem kind of like, you know, you can watch it and go, these are kind of disrupting the action of everything going on. 
but they're so important because they're they're emphasizing the fact that these people, you know, the the care, the growth that has happened in this season, and and that makes a difference because that's these these characters are making different decisions maybe than they would have mm-hmm. at the pilot. Now suddenly we're, we're looking back at where they were in the pilot, and it's significant. Uh, I think it's just fantastic, and it it makes it even more emotional when we get some of these emotional scenes that are fantastic as well in this episode. So a lot of great mm-hmm. components, really well put together. Yeah, well, and I, I love, you know, the fact that the flashbacks are each of the characters, you know, kind of, yeah, like we are reminded of where they came from, and in contrast to where they're at now, it's almost like, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> This is probably just funny, but I remember in like kindergarten or first grade, the teacher uh, took our picture on the first day of class Mm -hmm. and then the last day of class and like put a collage and was like, look how much you've grown. And I feel like in a weird way, this episode almost feels like for lost, like look how much these characters grew or, you know, how much they've changed or anything. Like, I feel like it at least in this episode, there is kind of an upward trajectory for for everyone we're seeing in some character level, you know, in, in some aspect of their character. Like, oh, they were this way. And how has this experience on the island changed them? Um, and it's just kind of, it, it just makes me think like, look how much you've grown over the last year, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you, it, it just, love every one of these characters but it's it's so much mm-hmm. fun it makes you even care about them even more because you're like oh yeah that's why i like this character or that character um yeah and it's just so cool to see who they are now uh mm-hmm. so it, it, it's so satisfying um and we could wax poetic about it all day but i think we need to get down into the nitty-gritty of it and uh just jump into this episode because this episode, yeah. it jumps at you. Um, <laughs> although it does start with uh, a little bit of, you know, an unexpected thing with Walt waking up in the, you know, the hotel room. We start with the flashback. And, yeah, this this flashback, um, Walt is was a... I mean, if you, out of context, you watch this scene and you're like, Walt is such a brat. what is he doing Uh, but i love it though because we also we know where he's come from um so it's a really effective uh thing to understand walt you know he lost his his mom and now he's with this guy he doesn't even know and we can understand michael's perspective too and it's just we we see how dysfunctional it all used to be um with Michael saying, look, I don't like this either, but you're getting on that plane. And Walt's saying, you're not my father. You're not my father. Um, just a frustrating look into what used to be, but it's nice when we get to the island afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love the, you know, just the kind of simple parallel that I don't think I'd ever noticed before um, in the, in this like kind of opening scene of uh, Walt, you know, 
leaving and then Michael grabbing him and hit Walt responding, you know, you're not my dad. You're not mm-hmm. my dad to present day on the island. Walt, you know, wakes up before everyone else. Um, and in in both situations, he wakes up a bunch of people with yelling, mm-hmm. but in the flashback, it's, you're not my dad, but this time it's him saying, dad, dad, wake up. Yep. Um, and just kind of the cool, just, just in that switch showing, you know, oh, he trusts him now. He's the one he goes to for help, not the one he, you know, is trying to run away from. Um, and just, just like so simple, um, but telling so much about how these characters have changed. Yep. And I mean, wouldn't we all yell for our dad when we see a crazy French woman coming out of the woods? I mean, it's the natural thing to do. Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. So let's talk about this. She comes out of the, you know, she's been, she didn't go back with Saeed when Saeed asks her if she'd come back, you know, come with him. She says, no, I've been alone for too long. And then finally, you know, she's coming out to talk to the rest of the, the castaways and seems to be there to protect them because, well, the others are coming. Do you think that's her, because we find out later, you know, she has some rather devious intentions and it's a little hinted at with her looking at uh, Claire and the baby here, but you think that mm-hmm. was her initial, her, her initial impulse was to help them? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, like maybe she sees that there is some some level of good in what she's doing mm-hmm. but i mean if i remember right from where it goes like i i just feel like that that even her initial impulse is more more for selfish <laughs> gain um but especially with with that yeah like the foreshadowing of her looking at Claire and the baby and everything kind of knowing that um there's there's ulterior motives here but but yeah I don't know what are your thoughts yeah I I one line I caught when she was talking was you know she said well obviously she has the cool she drops two cool lines I mean that's (laughs) one reason she came so she could drop these awesome lines the others are coming boom Mm -hmm. and then you have three choices run hide or die Mm -hmm. boom um but before that, one line that stuck out to me was she tells them that the others are coming for all of them. Um, she's like, oh, they're coming forever. All of you, all of you should panic, run, hide, or die. It feels like she's trying to stir up, stir them up here, um, get them in a tizzy. I mean, she she knows what the others are capable of. They did take her baby and everything. But um, I, I got to thinking, I'm like, are those their three choices, run, hide, or die? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, it just feels sort of like she's dropping a bomb in the middle. And maybe in the chaos, she might be able to, I don't know, take a baby or something. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it, she doesn't suggest anything like, I mean, she she makes it, I don't know, like, like everything you're saying, I think contributes to, that she she truly just has um this motive in mind um uh, like her own motives in mind because um you know she doesn't offer any insight into like what 
you know, what they could do to defend themselves or anything against an impending attack. She makes it sound like, you know, they are, they are an unstoppable force that is coming for you. You know, there, there's nothing you can do aside from, you know, running, hiding or, or just dying, you know, like there, there's not like a level of, um, we could do this precaution. It is just, they are coming. You have no, you know, the, there's nothing you can do basically um which kind of forces them into doing something um at least once they you know mm-hmm. begin to believe her later on <laughs> yeah i do like uh we get jack's response to it afterwards Locke and jack talking and Locke is saying you know just because she's she might be crazy doesn't mean what she's saying isn't true and jack mm-hmm. going if you want to stick with the what if be my guest, but I've got to stick with what's tangible, the raft. Uh, very nice summary of the their two character types. Um, and uh, we'll get a lot more of that in part two and part three where they're kind of, they come to uh, blows a little bit, so to speak, in a conversation later. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it makes sense. This lady might be a little crazy. Um She's telling this story about all this uh, stuff. Let's just focus on the raft. We got to work together as we discover when Michael says we need everyone involved. Um, It's brilliant what they do with the raft here. Uh, Bringing the whole, it's so cool to see everyone, you know, this whole, the whole cast Mm -hmm. working together on this. It's one of the, one of the only times I think we see like the whole cast together doing something other than funeral scenes, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're all there uh, trying to launch this raft. Yeah. My goodness. The raft, like, is one of the most, like, this this episode and the raft in particular has some of the most inspiring moments of the entire series, honestly. Um, Like, with Michael, you know, frantically, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we kind of need all hands on deck and everything. Like if we were going to do this any quicker and I love Jack, you know, give me 20 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's got a crew of people. Cause that like, that's one thing Jack can do, you know, is, is motivate, like he can get the people to follow him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of the natural leader and, then just seeing all of them, yeah, working together and, um, like, man, just what a cool, what a cool set piece too for just like, you know, I mean, just as far as the TV series of Lost to do to put all these people together around a raft, you know, like doing physical labor to like move it down the beach, um, just such a such a cool scene, uh, one of several really cool scenes with the raft in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my note on it is just they they they're move, working together, and Jack brings mm-hmm. them together. That's that's the height of Jack's, you know, leadership. He can bring people together. He's really good at that. And I do like there's a moment where Jack says, you know, he says, "Give me twenty minutes or whatever," and then he goes, and we see Locke kind of looking after him. Um, and we see Locke, um, who has struggled, you know. As kind of the outside of the group, he's looking at Jack and seeing this leader, and I think he's he's sort of like 
he wants that for himself maybe a little bit there i kind of get that in that moment um and uh he sees the he sees the height of jack's leadership and it's kind of pretty cool um and you get the feeling that Locke lacks something of that and he wants something of that um, a little bit as I was watching that. Yeah. But um, so they're going to launch this raft and, I, you know, everyone's working together. They're, they're lifting it. Um, at this scene, when they're trying to you know, move it down the beach there on the and uh, we got Hurley and we got Sawyer with the levers and we got all everything going on. Um, I don't think I'd ever noticed it before. Maybe I had, but they do a really good job of the su- subtly just putting it in there. Maybe not so subtly. Maybe you noticed it. Um, Sawyer, as they're trying to launch it, looking at Kate. Um, mm. and, you know, they're trying to get that up. And Sawyer just, for a moment, he looks at Kate. Everyone else is focused on you know, doing this together. Sawyer looks at Kate, and you can tell he's still bitter about you know he's like as we heard at the end of born to run you know there's nothing left on there's nothing on this island we're staying for and he still feels kind of you know like sorrowful towards kate and then they it gets messed up and suddenly everything gets unraveled and michael i think accurately actually says you missed the lever sawyer it was your fault and it's because he was sort of going, he's he's not working together with the team. He's sort of still harboring his own bitterness is how I kind of got it. Uh, so that's kind of a fascinating mm. moment in there. That's really cool. I, I hadn't noticed that, you know, and yeah, I've seen this episode so many times. I feel like I got to go back for that scene to mm-hmm. to look and see that because I'm sure you're right. Like that's that's such a cool detail. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, they do it. They put it in there very subtly. Um, and I love it because, you know, it can just, you could just look at this scene and go, oh, it's just them moving, trying to move the raft, but there's something in there character wise. Uh, they do a really good job of that. So, mm. um, but as they're trying to move it and then they, you know, come to blows, almost come to blows with each other with Michael and Sawyer and they're getting angry at each other. Then suddenly the external force, as Locke pointed out earlier, we're not the only people on this island. Uh, there's the smoke and we get the cool scene with uh, them all. It's, it's the money shot of them looking up at the smoke. Gotta love that, that shot. And one, one thing that I had not considered about this episode before, that's just kind of a cool thing. Uh, you know, once again, got to talk about the title of episodes. I've always thought about Exodus Mm-hmm. as the title of this and you know the next you know it part one of exodus and part two and everything mm-hmm. um it's i've always thought of it you know like as primarily like the word exodus as like departure you know like they they are sending the raft off and they are trying to move their entire community somewhere else to protect them you know to for their own safety and salvation sort of thing and and lost as a show with plenty of biblical kind of illusions so it makes sense you know they're trying to lead their people uh to a, a new place like the book of exodus you know and yeah um but i hadn't thought about the fact that there there's actually a few things that i was noticing throughout this episode but one of them like biblical sort of 
illusions in kind of a twist of a way mm-hmm. is that the the pillar of smoke is not a harbinger of good as it is in in scripture in exodus with you know the pillar of smoke by day and fire by night leads the israelites to safety but here it's an omen of oh the bad guys are coming and i just thought that was kind of a cool like i don't know if that was intentional you know with the exodus theme but i think it kind of fits as kind of a cool twist of that imagery that like oh no that's that's actually a terrifying thing for for all of the castaways here in this moment um but it was just kind of fun to notice like oh that's that's another like kind of allusion to the exodus story maybe but yeah i think it might have something that i i I do yeah i think that there was probably some intentional symbolism there um i mean we've already seen a lot of biblical allusions throughout uh like with deus ex machina being kind of like a perverted um abraham story Mm. now now we get kind of like a twist on twist on the exodus um and uh yeah so that's cool yeah i'm glad you brought that up it's interesting um Mm -hmm. so we got the the harbinger of doom the smoke and it, it finally jack's saying okay that's tangible I'm going to go ask her so questions. Um, and she says, where are you going to hide 40 people? And I love when Jack and Locke just look at each other and you're like, oh, yes, they're going to have <laughs> open the hatch. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, man. Amazing. Um, whether Saeed likes it or not, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because then they go to the hatch, and uh, Hurley finally sees it for the first time. Uh, love his reaction. I think we should mention. We, we think we need to stop for a second, though. I bring up Hurley. Um, gotta ask you a question. Mm. Why is Hurley? Why do they bring Hurley to the hatch? And then why do they bring him on the journey? <laughs> I. I was thinking about that while watching it. I've always thought about that. I when I was watching this time, they I feel like the only explanation that they kind of give is that the scene right before this, Hurley is there yeah. when <laughs> when they're when she's like, "Where are you going to hide 40 people?" and Hurley is standing nearby. So my assumption is if we can just read between the lines and assume a deleted scene there they were like all right we got to show you something and hurley's like can i come and they're like yeah you might as well you know and (laughs) you you were here when we started talking about it so i guess you should stick with us the whole time Mm -hmm. which is a terrible decision because as ours points out later if you want to keep a secret don't tell the fat guy yep they could save themselves so much grief by not (laughs) But at the same time, though, you got to have Hurley on board because he's he's Hurley. I mean, come on. We got to have some mm-hmm. some levity on these journeys. Uh, so it makes sense in that sense. I love. Yeah. Well, and I love that they're continuing the theme from, you know, a recent episode. I, I forget. Oh, maybe it was last week's. But um, where Hurley's just like, you know, 
how am I supposed to keep track of who knows what around here? You know, and <laughs> like they're just following following that up with, you know, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell Hurley. But they do. And uh, yeah, so they're going to open this thing. Like I said, whether Saeed likes it or not, I just, I love it. He's like, we're reacting with no information, no intelligence. This hatch might even be theirs. All very valid points. I mean, he's not wrong. Saeed's like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Everyone else is <laughs> off their heads. But uh, the rational one doesn't get listened to. Yeah, because I mean, if, if they listened to Saeed, it would not be an exciting finale vibe. No. But instead, they they can't listen to reason. They they got to go through with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine this episode if they're like, oh, you know what? Saeed's right. Let's just launch the raft. Boring. <laughs> yeah, come on. Got to have some fun. Uh, so we do have some fun. And uh, yeah, I guess we can talk more about this fun. But um, I think we should probably take a quick break we're about at that time so why don't we do that and we'll be back with more see you in another life brothers after this welcome back to see you in another life brothers season one finale edition (laughs) yeah so we're talking exodus part one and we've reached the point where we're introduced to a new character in a flashback. This is a big moment. Ana Lucia. <laughs> I forget that she, we, we first meet her at the end of season one. Uh, because it seems like, oh no, Ana Lucia comes in season two. But uh, here we are at the airport with her and Jack. Which is just kind of crazy because, yeah, like like I always think of her as a season two character, but it's just weird to try and put myself back in the mind of, you know, someone watching this for the first time, because I, I, I always think of this scene as like, Oh, it's kind of cool. It's an introduction to this character that we'll know later, but for everyone, you know, like not knowing where this was going, it feels like a much more tragic sort of scene because you realize, Oh, she's Mm -hmm. in the tail section. Um, this is Jack talking to someone who is dead now, you know, and like, it just has a different feel when you don't think about when you, you know, forget about what comes later. Um, for this episode, not knowing where it would go, this scene in context feels like, um, just an interaction Jack had with someone who is no longer around. Um, and it's, you know, much more about his character than it is about setting her up. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just, it's just weird to like remember that context uh, of the the scene as opposed to like, you know, the introduction of this character who is <laughs> very complex and has lots of, lots of interesting storylines coming up. But for this scene, it's really about what is Jack going through in, in this scene and um, remembering that he was bringing, uh, he was in a very upsetting place, bringing his father's body back to Los Angeles and all of that, you know, um, I don't know. It's just a really cool scene for all, for all of those different 
reasons uh what it's setting up and what it's also just doing with his character you know just right here yeah it does do some good some things with his character i've always kind of struggled with this scene honestly as it 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 does feel like there's not a ton that we learn or anything necessarily yeah i don't know it's just it's sort of like oh here's anna lucia i wonder if we'll meet her again um sort of kind of felt like that to me but at the same time as you mentioned it, it is a good reminder um we do there are like glimpses of things in here like where you know anna lucia asks jack how his dad died and he says a heart attack uh which is technically right but he neglects to mention the fact that he you know drank mm-hmm. um and then she asks him not a drinker huh and he says no not really about himself and trying to you know distance himself from his father um uh so it we do see that where it's almost like jack is ashamed of his father um he's he's not dealing with it he's not really processing it um and uh yeah just at a bar in the middle of the day and anna lucia is obviously there obviously there too so she's dealing with some stuff um but uh it is a nice moment because as she points out the worst part's over and mm-hmm. see there is sort of a connection between these two. I I do feel like it is one of those scenes that is maybe mostly there to set up stuff for later, you know? So it's almost mm-hmm. like uh, for this episode, there's, there's not a ton besides, you know, the reminder of why Jack was on the plane in the first place, but it's also, I, I think the most important line for the context here is, you know, the worst part is over Um, because I feel like a lot of these flashbacks are kind of subtly, you know, setting up that this is for, for a lot of characters, they were thinking of themselves on one journey and then Mm. immediately with the plane crash, their trajectory completely changed. And with that line, it reminds us that, you know, for Jack, he was thinking, you know, all all I'm doing today is getting on a plane back to Los Angeles, you know, and and maybe the worst part of this whole ordeal is over, and he's about to actually, you know, his whole life is going to be turned upside down in a few hours. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I do think, like, going back to this scene, it's like, it feels kind of weird because this is a person we've never seen with Jack and it's kind of a random interaction but once you get all the later connections and stuff it's like oh that's that was pretty cool what they did there mm-hmm. for sure and I do think it's significant too that Jack is alone at a bar yeah um, and Anna Lucia makes a connection with him and then she says the worst part's over and then we flash we come back to the island and we see Jack now and he is leading the whole group and he's telling them what he what they're going to do and he's reassuring them and he's actually you know he's he's found himself in a in a leadership role where he's trying to keep this whole group together he went from being alone in a bar to there yeah uh, so that that's uplifting you're like jack is now the leader um and he's actually kind of you know coming into his own in that way so yeah but um, so they have the plan. Uh, Arst wants in on the plan, right? <laughs> Don't tell the fat guy. 
you gotta love Leslie. Am I right? He just wants to. He he just wants to be the hero. He just wants to help them with the dynamite. Be a hero. And I love the idea that arts. It's almost like because because he showed up so late in the season with you know bringing up monsoon season, so they got to launch the raft, and now he's saying he needs to help him with the dynamite. It, it it almost makes you think like. This guy's been sitting on the sidelines too long. It's time to act, you know. <laughs> and so he decides to step forward at a very, very interesting time to do so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I will say, I do like the the line that the line is, "Don't tell the fat guy." That just says so much about ours. He doesn't know Hurley's name. Come on, yeah, ours. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's. Uh... He's uh, not really a role model. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Not, not someone to model yourself on. Um, but Jack, you know, thinking practically, I guess we do need a guy who knows how to use dynamite. Come along, Arst. Um, so Leslie's on board. And then, I guess cut to the next scene, we get Sawyer... Sawyer, who claims that, you know, it's not my fault. He doesn't, he's like, it wasn't me who messed this whole thing up. And he runs to redeem himself by helping out. Um, We get the side of Sawyer in this episode where suddenly he's very desperate to sort of redeem himself. And I I, I like this side of him. It's, It's the side that gets so suppressed by his you know the persona he's adopted uh the outlaw persona but when we see it it's very endearing and uh yeah it's pretty cool Mm -hmm. oh yeah i i love the fact that he's in this episode I, i really feel like his he is one of the characters whose character development is you know on spotlight the most i think because Mm -hmm. you know by at the beginning of the series he was the guy who really just wanted to be on the outside to only do things for for himself um and even like seemed to want to be hated and here he's he's being denied the chance to do something that will benefit others um and it's crushing him you know he just wants to do something that will help um Mm. and the fact that he's being denied that like the fact that that's the thing that's upsetting to him uh is just really fun to see that that he cares enough um to want to do something that will i mean it'll benefit him by like he's he's trying to get rescued too but he's you know doing it for the good of everyone with the raft being sort of a rescue mission for them all you know yeah and it relates directly to this flashback where we see sawyer at kind of his lowest point um being dragged into the um the officer's office and um i think it's it's we we need to point the point out the fact that before this flashback it's outlaws it's him shooting frank duckett that's 
you know, he's down in Australia to do that. Um, and then obviously afterward, Sawyer went into kind of a tailspin as we find out, mm-hmm. you know, he's just headbutting people and doing all this. Um, and so we see him at his, his very worst point, like right before he gets to the Island. Um, and the, the guy, you know, he's kind of reading Sawyer the riot act. Um, I think there's a few things to point out in the scene. One is that, you know, Sawyer is kind of being himself, smirking and everything. And the smile finally disappears when the guy calls him James. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, I, you know, I see that the way I see that and the significance of it, I keep, I keep seeing that with Sawyer. James, I don't know if the writer is intended it or not, but you know, like the book of James faith without action is dead. Um, and Sawyer, mm-hmm. You know, he's rejecting the James um, because he just doesn't have the faith. He doesn't have faith in anything. So he's just, he's, he's looking at people and saying, trying to see the worst in people. And as the guy points out, you headbutted this honorable person. He says, he headbutted me. That guy's no better <laughs> than me. And he says, but no, he says, but you are a blight, a stain, a scavenger, a con man who preys on the weak and the needy. Um trying to say, Sawyer, you are worse than everyone else. Um, and Sawyer's not having any, I sleep just fine. He's still holding on to, you know, everyone's horrible. Nothing can be redeemed. I ain't ever coming back to Australia. Um, I don't know. What, it's, it's him and his worst, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this scene? I, yeah, I, I feel like, it's just a good summary of Sawyer right before the crash. You know, I mean, like the guy kind of describing, you know, like you're a despicable person, basically, almost. Um, and uh, so, like, in, on one level, it, it accomplishes that. On another level, I just love when there's kind of a twist in a flashback that shows um, how the characters uh, ended up on the flight. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, he was being deported. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what a what a horrible week Sawyer was going through. Um, you know, he's he's doing terrible stuff, but then he gets deported, and as he is, he crashes on an island. You know, um, it's terrible. But um, yeah, I think it's just a a cool setup for how he ended up on the island and a good summary of, you know, he, yeah, like you were saying, he's at his lowest point. Literally he's being told you can't come back to this entire country. You know, Mm -hmm. um, we want you to leave because you're a bad person basically. And that's when he ends up on the Island. Um, yeah. The uh, one other note about this scene, uh, that I noticed when I was looking up info about this episode, the guy that he says that he headbutted, is an actual person who is like the actual whatever like minister of agriculture whatever the job was like that mm-hmm. he's a, he's a real guy in australia apparently um who mm. holds that job or held that job title and everything and they just put that in the episode and i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> wonder how that guy feels i wonder if he's seen the episode <laughs> i don't know it's so random but yep yeah well, I, I do want to, yeah, I want to 
the fact that he's being deported from Australia. I'm just thinking about that as you're talking. And I think, you know, when he talked to Christian in the bar and Christian says, you know why they call it down under, don't you? Mm. It's because it's as close as you can be to get to hell without being burned. Um, this is, I think Sawyer kind of took, took that to heart almost. And like, this is the lowest, this is Australia. This is hell. And in a way he's thinking about that because in the scene, I do like the line gets kind of get thrown, it is thrown away. The guy says, you got, you got in a bar fight. And Sawyer says, isn't that like a badge of honor in this country? This is, this is Australia. This is the lowest down, you know, it's just down under. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sawyer's even getting ca- kicked out of there. Oh, yeah. People telling him he's a bad person. It's like Sawyer's like, fine, you know, I can just be horrible down here and everyone's horrible. But no, <laughs> even they are still kind of posturing as, you know, we're not all that bad is what Sawyer is thinking. And he's being deported from there as well. So I just, I don't know connection as i'm thinking about it yeah no i i like that point it's like he he's so he's at such a low point that even the lowest place kicked him out you know but then we see him on the island now where suddenly he's you know for one reason or another sawyer has suddenly he he wants to help he wants to redeem himself he wants to do something good so he's making this mast for the raft Mm -hmm. And then we get one of the three beautiful scenes in this episode mm-hmm. that just propel it to being one of the classic episodes of Lost. Because um, it's so moving and satisfying what we get here. Um, every time. It's just it's such a moving scene with Sawyer finally... And you could feel it. it's so well done with him and Jack. And you can tell Jack doesn't want, he just wants to get out of there as quick as possible. Give him the sun, give him the gun. Good luck, Sawyer. I'm out. And Sawyer just keeps kind of calling him back and thinking, I need to do this. I need to do this. Um, and uh, he finally lets him know. And uh, yeah, the, the acting on Matthew Fox's part, uh, Second to none, and Sawyer does a great, uh, uh, great job by Josh Holloway too. But uh, quite a scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, I love, like honestly, there, there's not anything in this scene I don't like. You know, I, I love yeah. the fact that it begins with Jack. You know, you know, almost just it's like he's making the bare minimum. You know, kind of a friendly conversation with. Sawyer you know he he says kind of some small talk you know were you a lumberjack you know back home and everything um and giving him the gun um you know saying like just just in case you know someone ought to have have you know a way of protection or whatever um and uh you know saying good luck to Sawyer and for Sawyer I feel like this is they held this moment till the perfect place uh, for his character, for him to have this moment with Jack um, in the finale, for him to recognize, you know, it's it's the right thing for me to do to say this to him, um, to let him know, you know, that 
that I was with his father, you know, and uh, that his father wanted to tell him how proud he was, you know, that that he was a better doctor, you know, a, a better mm-hmm. person, you know, uh, than than he gave him credit for a better doctor than he was, you know, and um, goodness, what a what a awesome scene for for both actors you know just um the way they play it it really feels so authentic for who we know these guys to be at this point you know the characters that we've seen them be um and seeing Sawyer such a despicable person from the beginning you know in such a kind of kind and generous way you know like not I don't know, just the way he says everything in this scene feels like, you know, I'm just giving you this information. I'm guessing you didn't have it already. You know, I'm guessing you never made that call to you. Um, but, you know, good luck uh, w- with whatever you're going to do with this, you know. And um, it's just such a cool scene, especially for these two guys who've been at odds with each other and, you know, not liked each other <laughs> in a lot of the season. Um, to be able to um, share this moment at it's lost at its best, you know, the putting and the, like you were saying, there's several scenes coming up now um, that are just putting characters together in the most poignant way um, that show, uh, you know, how much they've grown or changed or all of the above. Um, And yeah, it's, it's just such a good scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the line from it, I mean, it's Sawyer just recounting, you know, what we saw Christian say back in Outlaws, but the line, I don't think it was in the original, in the, in the first scene. I didn't go back to look. I don't think so. But Sawyer says, see, kids are like dogs. Mm. You knock them around enough, They'll think they did something to deserve it. Um, and that line, I think it sticks out. It makes me think, why, why does Sawyer decide to tell Jack? And I think it's Sawyer, the his one weakness that we've seen in all of these episodes. And I think it was Confidence Man. Everything's going according to plan in the con until he sees the kid and the kid makes him drop the money and just drop everything and walk out because the kid reminds him of who he really is, you know, who, who, you know, he's that scared kid. And I think, you know, kids are like dogs. You knock them around long enough. They'll think they did something to deserve it. It's Sawyer saying that because he recognizes it in Jack. Jack is a, you know, a victim of just a bad relationship with his father. Um, and Sawyer can't, you know, he's like, that. that's horrible. I need to do something about it. But I think Sawyer is saying this and unwittingly saying it to himself. Because that's really what Sawyer, you knock them around enough. Because Sawyer's been knocked around by the death, the, just the horrible tragedy that happened to him. And then he's like, I, he thinks he did something to deserve it. He thinks, you know, I'm horrible. Mm. The world is horrible. Um, and so I think, I think that's, 
that's the connection. Um, and so it's Sawyer, you know, reaching out and actually having a genuine connection because he and Jack share that sort of, that scar that, uh, yeah, that, uh, they need to heal from. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great scene. Yeah. It's kind of a perfect moment for, you know, it, it almost feels like, cause after Sawyer says that comment about, you know, kids are like dogs, you know, um, he, he does kind of pause and then he's like, anyway, you know, and he continues. And I, I feel like it's almost a moment of him, you know, kind of the classic, um, from, uh, oh gosh, that, that movie with Pacino where, you know, like you and I aren't so different, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. him realizing, maybe not realizing in that moment, but he kind of has a comment that relates his story to Jack's story. And it's just kind of, kind of cool for them to, to have this moment where they're, you know, we're, and maybe we're realizing it as, as an audience too, like these, these two guys aren't so different. They've, they've got some, they've got some shared issues maybe, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a good scene. One one man struggled with this bad relationship with his father, and it made him become a guy who can't let go. The other guy had this tragedy happen to him, and it made uh, him sort of a guy who just has nothing to hold on to, or just mm. I don't know. One that's afraid to fail, the other is wants to make everyone else fail. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's fun to kind of reflect on who these guys are and the different paths they can take from these things. So, mm-hmm. and it makes for great drama. Um, so we get that scene and then as if we're not, uh, you know, once we, once we kind of recover from the emotional toll <laughs> that scene takes on you, uh, we get to another flashback and we get Kate with the Marshall uh, th- this scene, I think it's a great, great performance by the guy who plays the marshal. Um, I, I, his monologue is fantastic. The way he performs it and the way he's just like, uh, just getting under Kate's skin. He does it so well. His type of character. He's underrated, that guy. One of the, you know, the side characters on Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And they, they give him a cool monologue here too, because it really like it's kind of fun that it basically connects the three uh kate Mm. flashback episodes you know i mean it's honestly him just kind of explaining the timeline of those um in like this scene i feel like all of the flashbacks this whole episode is well written but this is one of those scenes that does Mm. exposition in a fun way because it begins with, you know, like, why do you need five guns? Um, and so he tells the story to get under her skin, you know, and then she attacks him and he's like, and that's why I need five guns. While all well, all while um, telling the story of Kate to kind of connect the dots for us as the audience of, oh, so that's when that happened. That's when, oh, okay, you know. Um, this is how we've gotten to this point for her. Um, yeah. And Evangeline Lilly, once again, 
is given another scene where um, I think we were commenting on it a few episodes ago that yeah she does such a good job of reacting to things <laughs> you know and that's basically all she does in this scene and then there's the the one line and she attacks him and stuff but it's mostly her kind of visually reacting to the things he says and she's just so good yeah when she's looking at that plane when he's yeah that the sorrow on her face just you, you can feel it she's just yeah uh very well done um reacting to that um but i do also think uh in this scene i do like just the the marshals we get the marshals perspective on all this for kate and we kind of get the external perspective on what kate has done um because he's he's going on and on about how he's basically about how she's been horrible she's doing these horrible things and when you look at it from like an objective perspective these are horrible things um like when he talks about how she just she just used these guys um to get to the safe deposit box and get the the plane and everything and then when she was done using them she mm. shot the <laughs> that's horrible um and uh so you can understand why from his perspective he would say something like you know she'd call me whining about her mitigating circumstances but what she's really doing is taunting me that's not what she's doing mm. she's not taunting him <laughs> we know kate what she's doing she really is trying to you know, she wants to have, as we've established, she wants to have that life that she had before she did what she did. Um, and she wants to also be on the run kind of simultaneous, you know, she wants, and she can't have it. Reality keeps, you know, messing things up for her. But the marshal thinks that she's just this horrible, cold-blooded person. Uh, and Kate cannot shake that perception of her. Um, so it's just kind of fascinating to see. Yeah, you can see why people would think that Kate is horrible uh, for what she has done objectively, but we we mm -hmm. see her and empathize with her. So it's kind of fun to see that here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they do a really good job of showing us a character we can empathize with, while also acknowledging she has done some bad stuff you know she's made some mistakes um and yeah made some mistakes along the way but we can also recognize you know there no one is uh perfectly good or perfectly bad you know she's she's a criminal but you know we've also seen that she's a good person um from what she's done on the island you know and um yeah it's it's a that you bring up a really good point like it's cool to see kind of a summary of what we've seen so far but from the opposite perspective of, of the guy who caught her you know so mm -hmm. yeah and then his assessment although you know he's he's kind of wrong about kate is this dangerous you know she, she's malicious and all this stuff but he gets to the heart of it where he says she just takes the plane because that's the one thing in the world that she does care about. She has no attachments. And I think she's telling herself she needs it to atone for killing her boyfriend. Um, I think there's some truth to that. 
cut into the core of Kate. Mm. Um, the plane represents that life uh, that she wants, that she had, and that she wanted to have. And she's, you know, she's trying to do everything in her power to get it, even go outside the law. Um, and uh, she can't have it. It keeps evading her grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the. the, the <laughs> I also love how it ends with the marshals, you know, keeps asking her what his name is until he finally provokes her to act, to, you know, shove him against the wall. Um, thus proving the point that, you know, people are saying Kate is this horrible person. That's why I need five guns. Um, when we hear that he needs five guns to subdue Kate, we know Kate, why would he need five guns? It's because you know, Kate can't help but react. Um, and when she reacts, it, it doesn't look good mm-hmm. uh, to these things. So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, you know, uh, the writers needed at least five guns on the island. So that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't need five guns. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah i've never understood that um i i almost feel like you know sometimes there's there's scenes and in stuff where it's like uh you can tell that the writers almost inserted it you know just to explain some stuff that the audience was maybe questioning and i feel like i feel like this scene maybe began that way of like like maybe we can you know with that line why do you have five guns but it 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 actually served a pretty cool purpose in the scene like they they made it feel right you know in context but when whenever i've seen this episode and he begins like why do you need five guns i'm like oh yeah why why would he need five guns (laughs) don't make no sense i mean she's just one yeah uh but uh anyway um so yeah, the flashback ends, and we we have Kate again on the island, and her decision when she says, "I want to go with Jack." Of course, Kate wants to go with Jack. We ask why Hurley is coming along, and we're kind of mystified by that. But no, of course, Kate wants to come along. Of course, because uh, that's what Kate does. Um, but I think looking at it in the perspective of Born to Run, we the last episode um, where she was publicly basically publicly shamed by Sawyer and now the whole the whole uh everyone is kind of looking at her I do like at the beginning of when she's walking to Jack she's kind of looking around at people and you get the sense that Kate just feels completely alienated oh yeah um and so it makes sense she says I'm not very good at goodbyes but basically she's I I just need to get away I need to run away um, cause that's what Kate does. So makes sense why she'd come along. Yep. And, and Jack says she can this time, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think Jack understands that, uh, she's going to come along anyway. Yep. <laughs> um, Kate's going to do what Kate's going to do. Um, so yeah, uh, Jack and Kate. We got we got the crew, the crew, Jack, Kate, Locke, 
Wait, why are we bringing Locke along? Yeah, survival expert, I guess. Um, Rousseau, crazy French chick. Hurley, for some reason. And Dr. Arst. Is he a doctor? Professor Arst. I think he calls himself uh, a doctor, but he's probably lying. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's, that guy's not a doctor. But I do love when they're going to be, they're going to take off. They're saying goodbye to everyone. I'm going to get Jack telling Walt to take care of his dad, okay? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. And then he says bye to Jin. Uh-huh. And Jin says something in Korean that I don't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm good. But I do like in the midst of that, Charlie, uh, you know, he's taking his messages in a bottle. Uh, trying to get Locke to give him something. That ain't happening. <laughs> but uh, his... I, I just need to point out this moment that makes me laugh every time when him, him going to Arst. You want to you wanna do it, Arst? Nah, I gave it the office. Fantastic line. Perfect. Gets me every time. <laughs> but then uh, Kate is looking for Sawyer before she leaves, even though she said she's not good with goodbyes. Aww. And then later we see Sawyer looking for Kate. Aw, they still kind of care about each other. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? But uh, anyway, so then we get the journey. And it's cool. Like you mentioned earlier, we get to see other parts of the island. We get to see that cool section where you can see the, where they're walking along kind of the cliffs area there. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty neat to explore this massive place they're in. And to get to see some of the Hawaiian... um, wildlife right Mm -hmm. yeah like the the whole montage of them kind of walking through you know from from kind of the cliffs uh like the rocks and stuff and then uh into the jungle like in areas that we haven't really seen before i just feel like the the you know the big wide shots and then kind of the way the camera follows them and stuff it just felt there were just there was a different feel to these scenes that made it feel much bigger and like a movie you know and it just i don't know it it also is just part of it's a finale so it's gonna feel kind of bigger but um Mm -hmm. yeah i just i love how this episode suddenly just feels like all right we're we're really just going for it you know this is this is a big episode um and we're going places we haven't gone before um such a just such a fun choice for them to do Mm-hmm. They're going to go into the dark territory, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I like when they get to the dark territory, and we get Leslie's response to uh, <laughs> when so and so lost his arm. I mean, wouldn't you be out at that point, right? If you're just a regular person going along on this journey, which Arst is ev- the everyman here. It's it's true. We for we forget when we're watching this that like. These are just regular people, and you know it's fun to laugh at Arst, but yeah, he he is kind of what the normal person would do. Like, I I always love that. It, it, you said you wanted to help. You know that was before so and so lost his freaking arm. You know, <laughs> like yeah, we we would all be terrified at that point. Hmm. Well, you like to think that the you'd be more heroic, like uh, say a Jack, but. Uh probably run away like arst yep um yeah 
So Iris chickens out, and uh, I, I like how like no one is Jack. Jack's clearly dejected by it, but everyone else is just kind of like, oh yeah, Iris <laughs> left. No one's no one's all that phase. Um, but uh, so I, I hope I hope Leslie gets back okay, and nothing horrible happens along the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to see, but uh, I think we should take a commercial break before we find out and uh we shall return after this with more see you in the life brothers after this welcome back to see you in another life brothers and uh before the break we were talking about ours chickening out i hope nothing horrible happens um monster attack (laughs) am i right or am i right it's been a it's been a minute since we had one of those. Yeah. Well, the good old smog monster, um, <laughs> former senior pastor once said. Um, <laughs> shout out to Rusty Hayes if he's listening. Um, the smog monster uh, rears its ugly head, and everyone scatters. But I do like the fact that uh, I just any scene where we get Locke and Hurley together. It's basically comedic gold. I think throughout the whole series, this is pretty much true. Locke and Her- Locke and Hurley, and eventually, once we get to good old Ben Linus, magic. But we hear we, we have the seeds of it. <laughs> Dude, we got a book, and Locke's like, "No, hold still." <laughs> um, what must Hurley be thinking? I well, and I love the fact that Hurley stays yeah he doesn't just go like screw you man you're gonna die you know he he stays with him you know and mm-hmm. and trusts this strange wise bald man but mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it, it's a good moment i also like to think of the fact that like one of the first scenes with hurley and Locke was that one where you know he's asking him info for yeah. the manifest and gets totally creeped out <laughs> by him <laughs> And so now, like, look how far we've come. Now he and Locker are standing there, petrified by the monster. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. how far we've come. But to Locke's credit, it does work, and they don't get devoured by the monster. Um, and neither do Rousseau and Jack and Kate. Um, and we get the moment with Rousseau. Answering a question. I'm sure everyone had a field when this first aired, everyone's like, we found out a little bit about the monster. The monster is a security system that protects the island. If you believe that, um, I got some, uh, I got a (laughs) property in Arizona for you because this is a crazy French chick. Come on. Come on, people. I, I was thinking about it in this episode you know, they the writers probably really enjoyed having a character like Rousseau yeah. to write for because they could do they could have her say anything mm-hmm. and, you know, like create a bunch of theories out of it and then later just be like, oh, she's nuts. Yeah. You know, she didn't know what she was talking about. Like she could have said anything and they could later just be like, oh, yeah, she's crazy. You know, and mm-hmm. it like... 
it's just kind of fun to realize like oh yeah they could have and they kind of do that here you know she's she's like oh yeah it's a security system she's very confidently answering <laughs> and yeah i i just mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. i just love that her verdict is that oh it's protecting the island when in reality it's and this is going way far into the future but it's actually the opposite mm-hmm. um but we'll get there but anyway so yeah we get the crazy french chick moment and uh so we're off to find the black rock as arst is still alive uh and uh he can even call hurley an idiot when hurley's genuinely wants to care about him oh leslie <laughs> But we'll catch up with them later. We need to talk about the next incredible scene in this episode between two characters who, up to this point, have they interacted? I don't... Have they? Walt and Shannon? I don't... I don't know if they have. Mm Mm-hmm. But we get it here. We get a moment between Walt and Shannon. Probably the two people you least expected to have a scene together at the beginning of this episode. But here we are. And I just, this this scene, I love how a child cuts the core of Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, because we get this scene before the flashback, but I think we need to talk about the two kind of in tandem. Because in the flashback, we have Boone and Shannon um, and Shannon is cutting everything down in her path. She is just on a war path. She's saying, um, I will get you thrown off this flight, Boone. And then she gets Saeed busted with the TSA. And it's just, she is having none of it. Boone is saying, one day you'll appreciate everything I do for you. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to help you, Shannon. And she's like, having none of it. That's what she is capable of. She is capable of you know, any way she can, you know, getting what she wants by destroying anything in her path. That's the Shannon we see in that flashback, right? Mm-hmm. And then here comes Walt on the island um, and says, I want you to have Vincent to take care of you. And Shannon says, what makes you think I need a dog to take care of me? Walt cuts to the core shannon needs other people even though she's so dedicated to using them right Mm -hmm. um and walt points that out beautifully and and the just the aspect of um walt sees you know he obviously you know he he realized like we can't take the dog with you know we need to give it to someone else and he he recognizes that Vincent helped him when his mom after his mom died and the person who maybe well the person who clearly you know needs that sort of help the most is Shannon right now and you know I, I forgot completely about this whole storyline of mm-hmm. of Vincent you know, of Shannon taking Vincent and uh, this whole scene. And, you know, at one point watching TV and movies, like 
I could not fathom like tearing up or crying or anything. And no. at some point I just, that all just went away. And now the, as soon as this scene began, I just tears were in my eyes. I was just like, yeah. Oh no, no, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, it's such a perfect moment. Uh, and it's almost even better. Like, I, I think it's, I think it honestly is better because I, we haven't seen these characters really interact before. And the fact that Vincent or that Walt knows maybe the best person, the person who maybe needs this dog most, you know, to have someone else with them, a companion is this girl who is hurting. Um, I just, I think that's such a cool moment, such a good reflection of what lost does so well of showing how people together can be such a support for one another um how the intersecting of these different characters lives um affects one another um yeah it's just just one of those perfect scenes Mm -hmm. yeah i think walt speaks some profound truths by just saying like uh vincent took care of me when my mom died and nobody would talk to me Mm. and like nothing happened um so i talked to vincent he's a good listener you can talk to him about boone if you want um just the the line they'd pretend like nothing happened or they wouldn't nobody would talk to me Mm. a lot of lost is kind of wrapped up in those there's so many like i think about claire and how you know she felt so alienated from everyone because of this responsibility she has and no one quite knew how to interact with her until, you know, Charlie was the one who reached out to her. Um, Shannon needs that. Um, And she, you know, she finds it in the strangest of places with a a child coming to her. And it's, it's really a sweet moment and it's very profound. um, When you look at it in this context, this unexpected moment that, uh, really hits home. Hmm. And I do think it's weird. Well, I I wonder if it is, it is weird that the flashback, they put the Shannon flashback after this scene, it, it undercuts it. Um, because it's like, all of a sudden we're reminded of how horrible Shannon can be. Um, it almost feels like it should have been at the beginning, but before this scene. Yeah. Shannon. It feels weird that they that the order that they chose. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or anything, but I, it's kind of weird. Honestly, yeah, I forgot that it was after. You know, like I I had kind of forgotten of the order of of some of these scenes. You know, because I mean, it's it's a yeah. lot of there's so many characters and stuff. Yeah, that is an interesting choice. I wonder if they just I don't know decided that the the tone needed to shift or something like, or the, it was an easier transition Mm -hmm. going to a flashback there before going to whatever scene followed it or anything that, that is a really interesting choice though. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, maybe it just, they, they, maybe they had it before it in the original cut and they're just like, Oh yeah, that the tone doesn't work. It just feels abrupt. Uh, Who knows? But anyway, um 
so yeah, the we have the Shannon flashback. Uh, poor Saeed gets busted by her. <laughs> and then we do see Saeed on the island. He got away. And now he's helping them with the raft, give them all that cool equipment stuff. So good for Saeed. <laughs> right? Um, and we also get a shocking reveal. Um, the the party finally gets to where they're going, and it's the Black Rock. It's a ship! What? what? Crazy, right? The Black Rock is a ship. And a ship in the middle of the jungle. Like, mm-hmm. w- I love that twist of, like, what in the world is going on on this island? Mm-hmm. It gives you like a sense of childlike wonder. That lot, yeah. a, a, there's a polar bear, and now there's a ship in the middle of the jungle. There's a smoke monster. It's all these sort of fantastical, crazy things. That if you stop, you stop to think about it. It shouldn't work, should it? Like <laughs> all these fantastic, these elements of fantasy that are thrown into this very grounded character study of a show. Um, it shouldn't work, but I think the magic of season one is somehow they pull it off and it feels very cohesive and all together. I do think at some, at certain points later in the, in the series, and I don't criticize lost very much with anything because I can't find anything to do. I do think that it, it starts to feel the, the elements of fantasy, feel a little off at times hmm. but in this first season i think it's just just beautifully combined together um and it works somehow it works like there's a okay there's a ship in the middle of the jungle and we we buy into it i you don't give it a second thought you're like oh there's a ship in the jungle there's a polar bear there's a smoke monster i'm still completely invested in these characters I, I think we take that for granted, but I when I stop to think about it, I'm like, that shouldn't work, should it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like they had such a interesting balance in this first season because I feel like I you know, you think of Lost and I feel like the first thing that is often thought of is, you know, all, all the crazy twists and mysteries and everything and I, I love all of that stuff, you know, I love it, but there's so much in season one, they had a really good balance of, this is mostly, it feels like it's mostly character stuff, you know, just drama, mm-hmm. and exploring who these people are and how they live together on this island, and then just enough, like, sprinkled in there of what the heck is going on on this island um mm-hmm. so that when they have those moments it doesn't feel like you know just overboard like what what in the world but it it's enough to make you go okay what where are we going next you know uh while mm-hmm. still just really caring about the people most you know um yeah yeah they they have a they have a good balance in this first season i think yeah, absolutely. I think you said it well. It's, a, it's balanced, um, and that's when the show is at its, at its best. Um, yeah, so the Black Rock is a ship. Crazy. Uh, I, th- I 
think there's only a couple things left in this episode, but boy, I think we saved the best. I mean, just the best for last mm-hmm. with Jin and Son. Oh gosh, um, this is so satisfying because they build. They they've done. They give it kind of closure what they built in the season with their relationship and how it's fractured. I love that they give it close, even though it's not fully closure because still Jin is going off. They're separating again, but we have it for a moment. Um, but I think of getting ahead of myself. We need to talk about the flashback first, right? Mm. Where we see Sun, Sun's perspective uh, trying to get some food for her husband or at the airport and then there's the uh, world's worst uh, couple. <laughs> these guys. The... What's up with these guys? I'm just okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? <laughs> Do these people really exist in the world? <laughs> Come on. I feel like okay, and the fact that like the the previous flashback was Shannon, you uh-huh. know. Uh, saying to a security guard you know some arab guy just left his bag (laughs) and then we cut to these people calling um you know this korean couple uh memoirs of a geisha like right in front of them it's like gosh these are the worst white people i've ever like the most racist (laughs) like oh my gosh this is horrible they're both looking down at their blackberries the whole time yeah on but yeah it it may it may you know this this whole scene i mean it, it, I, this another one that i kind of struggled with a little bit because it's similar to the jack scene where it doesn't really feel like there's anything to it necessarily it's just oh we see how Jin got the coffee spilled on him so he had to go to the bathroom where we mm-hmm. we see another scene later but i think the, the, the one thing as i was watching it i'm trying to get something from it um, it, it is the uh, the line from the terrible woman, um, where she says, "You ever catch me doing anything like that for you, shoot me." And Sun is hearing all this because they don't think you know she speaks doesn't speak in English, but Sun is hearing this whole thing, and it made me think about who Sun is at that point. She she's a woman who's about to run away from her husband. She's oh. someone who is, you know, we, she's going to leave him. Um, and she's thinking about what it would be like to be free. And I think that even though it's such a horrible line, you ever catch me doing anything like that for you, shoot me. I think Sun is kind of, she hears that and she goes, why am I catering to this guy who is, you know, we've grown so far apart. I don't even know if he loves me anymore. Uh, and that's what I kind of got from that. That's the one thing I pulled uh, in I, that flashback. I think that's a really good point. I had, man, I, I can't believe I hadn't even been thinking about like her circumstance mm-hmm. at that point, you know, was she was, she was on the verge of leaving him you know that that line that always rings out in my mind you know i was going to leave you you know that whole Mm -hmm. thing and um man i think that's really 
really cool. I hadn't even thought about that. And especially how that leads into the scene that follows, you know, that she, uh, uh, after he has, you know, kind of separated himself from her, Mm -hmm. um, that she is doing everything she can to do, to serve him in some way, you know, to help him in some way. She doesn't, she's not even asking to be a part of, you know, his life at this moment, really. She's just doing something that would help him by giving him the phonetic, you know, uh, explanations of of words in English so that he'll be able to communicate with them better on the raft. Like she's, what I get from that is that she's not even trying to say like, hey, could we talk or anything she's just saying hey i did this for you and it's like the most basic form of interaction at that point like doing something beneficial for him when you know in the past she was catering to him you know much much more uh frequently and everything and and then wanting to leave him and um yeah i just think it makes that that contrast more striking when you remember that you know she was she was about to leave mm-hmm. yeah she was gonna run away but she didn't now she's on the island and he's running away from her mm-hmm. that's what it feels like to her but she can't you know she still cares about him enough to make him that book of phrases and then we look look at this from Jin's perspective and I, you know, Daniel Day Kim Ugh. Mm, is, yeah, when just looking down at the book and then his just, I, the I'm sorry, uh, is it just kills you. It's like he, he, because we get his perspective and he reveals it here. Well, uh, whereas he says, I'm in this place because I'm being punished. I made you suffer. You don't deserve any of this. I have to go because I'm going to save you. Mm. Jin has resigned himself to, I don't, I don't deserve son. She doesn't deserve, you know, she, I need to atone. And yet here comes son still saying that she loves him. Uh, I think it just, it's too much for Jin to, he can't fully understand it because he's such he's a guy who has to earn everything he has to Mm -hmm. you know make his way and do the honorable thing and she's saying no you don't have to earn it um i still love you and it's just i mean (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i'm so emotional I'm in a glass case of emotion. I'm going full anchor man here. <laughs> yeah, this was I mean, this was another scene I was I was just tearing up in because it's like this this story of these two characters is one of the it's one of my favorite storylines now from mm-hmm. from season one at least of Lost because they did such a cool job of showing how both people you know 
do things that are, you know, they fr- they show from both perspectives how um, they've both kind of strayed or failed in some way, um, how, they, how they're both at fault in some ways of their relationship uh, growing mm. distance from each other. Um, you know, that they've both made some mistakes along the way. They've both gone into different, you know, it, it's it's gotten complicated um, in so many ways. And by circumstances, by decisions that were made, but here, you know, they still love one another. And Jin is doing this. Um, he's going off uh, on the raft because it, like almost as a form of atonement for what he's done um in the ways that he's failed but ultimately because he wants to uh protect her he wants to save her um mm-hmm. and the, the only way he sees to move forward in both of those ways is to in those areas is to you know do this big thing of going on the raft to try and save everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously it's an incredibly emotional thing for them both because they, he's doing something very dangerous. Um, And so they don't know what the future holds for the two of them. Um, But yeah, I, oh my gosh, they're both of their acting is phenomenal. And it's such a good kind of climactic scene for both of them uh, from their storylines from all of season one. Yeah. As son puts it, who will keep you safe? Mm-hmm. She cares about him. And Jin, yeah. Jin, Jin is saying, I'm sorry. Son is saying it's okay. And it's not resolved as we point, because Jin is still going off, but it, it is resolved because son, you know, says what you know it's okay and even if Jin can't fully grasp that yet it's it's powerful for him um yeah great scene um Mm -hmm. and it makes what comes after with that final raft launch this is the one of the best endings of an episode of, even though it's not at it's part one. Yeah. But this ending is so triumphant. It's so it just makes you just go. Yeah. You know, this yes. is a triumph. What I call it is a triumph of living together. It's like the, the, the peak might be the greatest. I mean, moment they achieve all together unfortunately as you know kind of the splits happen afterwards and things kind of get complicated but this is the pinnacle and it just feels like that as you know everyone's saying goodbye and they're jumping on and they get launched and there's a lot just a lot of great little moments in there with uh charlie and saeed doing the you know the victory putting their hands together and um michael I, i like uh Michael's reaction when the when the the raft actually gets off and he kind of looks back at everyone like it, he puts his hands out like what look at that they made yep. it <laughs> so good um, it's a victory 
Mm-hmm. You can just savor it for a little while here before it gets horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. This is, I think, I don't know if I've said it on the episode we were talking about it beforehand, but you know, this, this episode, even though they are really, there's like a lot of pressure to get the raft launched and there's, um, you know, obviously the kind of dire circumstances, like the terrifying idea of the others coming and invading the camp. But this is like such a feel good episode of Lost. And this scene is the the most just feel good of of any of them. You know, the the launching of the raft is one of my favorite moments of the series. Um, and in in no small part, uh, due to Michael Giacchino, gotta give him a shout out again. Yes. The, the music in this scene uh, has been running in my head basically the whole time we've been recording this because, uh, yeah, it's just so good. Um, seeing everyone, the excitement as they're launching it. And can you, like, just take a second to think about they the, the crew of Lost had to build an actual raft yeah. They had to figure out how they were going to actually launch that thing into the water. Like they, they basically actually launched a raft mm-hmm. and filmed it. And I just, I, it's one of those things that is kind of awe inspiring to watch because there's, it's not CGI. They don't do any like special effects. I mean, to my knowledge, there's nothing like that in this scene. They're just literally. You know, I mean, they they cut and edit it together and everything, but they're they're pushing a raft into the ocean, mm-hmm. and like for a TV show to do something that big, and to have all these shots of them in the ocean sailing away, like that that whole scene is incredible, and everything works together uh, perfectly. I I think. There's there's a few scenes I can think of. Like there's very few scenes I can think of uh from TV series in general that are like this where it's just it seems like everything is just you know in line everything is working to the best. Um the acting, the music, the set design, you know, the directing, the way it's shot, everything just contributes to make it such a memorable perfect moment um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's up there as one of the just best kind of endings of an episode even though it is part one i i still think of it as kind of a in a a closure to this episode still um Mm -hmm. yeah oh my gosh and we haven't even mentioned vincent running out (laughs) into the water (laughs) go back (laughs) go Go back (laughs) apparently i read uh today that that wasn't in the script, um, mm. they uh, Jack Bender, I think, the director of the episode, thought of that when they were filming it, mm. um, and was like, "Hey, we should have the, you know, we we should figure out a way to have the dog kind of run out into the water a little bit, you know." So they, um, that wasn't originally written into the episode, but while they were filming this scene, they were like, "Ooh, wouldn't this be good?" And that's. That's just like the icing on the cake, I feel like, of making it, you know, that much more emotional and and just kind of hitting home. Um, yeah. This is a real departure. Um, 
you know, an exodus. This is this is what's they're they are really going off now. Yep. Yeah, that Vincent going off, and then I think the final the the one that always stick with me is uh, Jin and Son looking at each other as they're going. Oh yes. Um, just that the looks between the two of them. <sighs> yeah, so good. Um, it's a it's a bright spot, and it would be nice if we could just end it there and say, and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> oh, but then there's the black smoke. Boom. <laughs> they, yeah. have, they have to drop that in there right at the end. It's like, oh hey, uh, the others are still coming. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't be lost without it, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it. It uh. I sometimes I feel like I've felt like, oh man, why did they have to do that on such like a perfect high note? Then they have to cut to that. But it really perfectly, you know, kind of sets up this is only part one. You know, like there mm-hmm. there is they have to remind you, you know, that there is a darker, like sinister plot happening while all of this is going on, you know. Um yeah. Yep. So so yeah. Part two is coming. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. Exodus part two. Gonna be a fun one. Uh, will they get into the hatch? What's gonna happen with the raft? What's going on with the crazy French chick? We're gonna find out next week on Lost. Same lost time. Same lost <laughs> Oh, good stuff. I, I wish they I wish they would have ended those episodes like that, like the old Batman series. Same lost time, same lost channel. That would have been fun. Just like that same, the same guy, I can't think of his name, uh, that we talked about who does the previously on Lost. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just him, you know, same tone and everything. What will happen next week? You know. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. But yeah, you guys are going to have to stay tuned because uh, we're done for this week. But uh, Bud, thanks as always for talking some Lost with me. It's a good old time. Of course, always happy to do it. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, we will see you in another episode, brothers. Bye. Bye.